0: When we're going through the tough times of life, the best thing we can do is to worship God. This is the latest message in the series Up and Down. The message is entitled, Why We Worship, Part 2. Here is Pastor Dale Shields. I want to conclude this series by talking about why we worship. Let me just revisit a couple of things for you as we are beginning and also concluding our series tonight, beginning tonight's message, concluding the series. We've been talking about worship up and down. That the blessings of God in worship go up and his blessings back come come back down to us. And to understand worship, we have to really understand the the definition of worship. What is worship? As we've been looking at in this series together, it involves any of the ways that you and I connect with God and any of the ways that we serve God. And so worship is anything that you do that connects you with God or anything that you do that allows you to serve God in some manner. That is worship. That is what worship is all about. And Jesus had some things to say about worship. And in John chapter 4, uh, verses 23 and 24, we find some of what Jesus said to a Samaritan woman who was confused about worship. She didn't understand what real worship was. And Jesus made this statement to her that's very apropos to us as well. Jesus said, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers, notice what kind of worshipers again? True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers, there's that word again, must worship him in the spirit and in truth. Here Jesus says there is a certain kind of worship that the Father God is looking for. He desires certain kinds of worshipers, worshipers who know how to connect with God and serve God in spirit and in truth by the power or empowerment of the Holy Spirit and by the truth of God's word and the principles of who God really is. So we want to be true worshipers. As I've mentioned before in this series, there's some people that will perhaps even go to church this weekend. They'll go through a religious ritual. And they will go through a religious process, but they won't really worship. They'll just go through a, a, a ceremony, if you will, and their hearts will never connect with God. And so we don't want to be people like that. We want, pe- we want to be people who are really connecting with God and learning how to serve Him in spirit and in truth. Last weekend, I talked about the fact that worship involves every part of us. True worship does. It, it is For God, yes, but it's also for us. There are benefits that come to our lives when you and I learn how to worship. It welcomes the presence of God, and I talked about the fact that it softens your heart before God. Tonight I want to conclude with four other things that you need to understand about worship that puts us in remembrance of what it's all about, builds your faith when you do worship God, when you connect with Him, and when you serve Him in some manner. The first thing tonight is this. Worship helps us to realize our God-designed potential. Worship is valuable to us because when we worship God, God sends down to us a greater realization of our God-designed potential, what he created us to be and what he created us to do. I like to remind us of this on an ongoing basis because so much of the world around us sort of de-emphasizes or drains this out of us. But when God made you, every one of you here tonight, Every one of you watching online, when God made you, he created you with incredible potential. You have amazing potential. To think about the human capacity with God placed in humanity. Let's go back for a moment to the Garden of Eden. You might recall that when God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, He first gave them an assignment. He told them, I want you to rule all, rule over all the creatures, take dominion over them, and I want you to, to till the ground and grow up something beautiful here. He gave them great opportunity based upon the fact that they had tremendous potential. They were created in the image of God, just as you and I were created, are created in God's image. But they only realized their potential when they were walking in connection with God. As soon as that connection was broken by sin, what happened? They began to deteriorate. They lost the essence of what life was all about. And so they lost a dimension of their potential because they broke their fellowship with God. The opposite side of that is when you and I maintain our fellowship with God, it brings us into higher and higher degrees of the greatest potential that God placed inside of you, in your DNA, in your life right now, there's huge potential. When the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you, there's huge potential that God wants to work in and out and through you. And so through our worship, that begins to be realized and released. Let's take a look at at one particular person in the Bible who found his potential by being a worshiper of God. You might remember this man in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. His name was Jabez. And the Bible says of Jabez that he was more honorable than his brothers. This is the only time in the Bible, there are two verses in the Bible, that mention this particular person. And the Bible says that Jabez was more honorable than his brothers uh, and and he, he he had a relationship with God, and his mother had named him Jabez. You might recall as I've taught him that in the past, that word means pain, or it could prob, prob, uh, could very well be translated, you are a pain. And so here is Jabez, he came into the world, there's some kind of very negative circumstance, his mother named him a pain. How would you like for your mom to name you, you're a pain. Okay. And that was his name, and so he was living in far less of his highest potential. He was struggling in life, but he had an honorable spirit. He was a worshiper of God. And and again, there are only two verses in the Bible about this man. There's no mention of his dad. It seems as though his father was out of the picture, maybe a single mom, some brothers that were not so honorable. But here is Jabez, and Jabez made a decision. What did he do? He cried out to the God of Israel. When it says that he cried out, we could also use the context of worship, because when you cry out to God, what are you doing you're worshiping this is a part of your worship so Jabez cried out he worshiped the God of Israel oh that you would bless me and enlarge my territory let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain and what does it say happened and God did what granted his request here is a man we don't know his age more than likely a a fairly young man maybe in his early uh, adult years young adult years but he realizes he's been born into a bad situation. Everybody's labeled him a pain. But he says, I'm not going to live my life that way. There's a God who can change who I am. There's a God who can bring potential out of me that could not be brought out any other way. And so he related to God in worship. And God brought about a, re- a request that he made and brought potential out of his life. Tremendous thing for us to realize. Remember that when you worship, when I worship, God is working to bring potential out of your life. Here's the second thing tonight that we want to look at for a few moments together. Worship connects us with God's strength for our tough times. Worship, praise, thanksgiving to God is not just something you do when everything's going well. Sometimes you get a great blessing in your life, Lord. Thank you for that blessing, Lord. I appreciate what you did in my life, and it's it's appropriate to give praise to God when He does something good and wonderful in your life. We took a whole day. Hopefully, you did this week, and you you offered thanksgiving to God, and hopefully, that will be a continual process of your life. That you and I will become grateful people consistently for all the blessings. But I will also tell you this: that praise to God and thanksgiving to God and the worship of God is not just the right thing to do when when good things things happen in your life it's also the right thing to do when tough things happen in your life because worshiping God in the tough times connects you with God's strength and connects you with God's power. It gives you the ability to make it through and to conquer things that are very challenging in life. I know some of you here, and I can look out among our congregation here this, this, this weekend. And I know many of your stories. I've walked with some of you through very tragic situations that you've had in your life. And I can tell you there's many of you that are sitting there right now that you worshipped your way through some really hard times. You worshipped your way through. You wondered, how am I going to get through this? And I watched you as your pastor worship your way. Not necessarily that all the pain goes away, but you worshipped your way through it and found the blessing and strength of God in your life. Let's look at a couple of stories about this in Scripture. In Isaiah chapter 40, let me tell you a little bit about this. Isaiah's writing to a group of people, the people of God, and they're going through a really tough time. They're having a real challenge, a challenging moment in their, their, their national history. And so they're getting tired and they're getting weary. Have any of you ever gotten tired of a problem in your life? ever got tired of waking up to the same old problem every day? There it is again. I thought it would be gone by now, but here it is. I wake up every day and the same problem is there. Well, this is much like the Israelites during this particular season of their journey and their relationship with God. And the prophet Isaiah is moved by God to speak a message to them that is also a message for us. Look at what he said. Some of you are familiar with this, but let's look at it again. Oh, Jacob, talking to the people of God. How can you say the Lord does, does not see your troubles. Isn't that good to know? The implication of that is that God sees your troubles right now. That whatever trouble you're going through, God sees it. Oh, Jacob, how can you say the Lord does not see your troubles? Oh, Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary, No one can measure the depth of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Let's stop there and camp just for a moment. What does God do? He gives power to the weak and gives strength to the powerless. Somebody ought to claim that tonight. This is a great promise for you this evening. Even youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall in exhaustion. Notice this, however. But those who trust in the Lord, let's stop there for a moment. One translation says, Wait upon the Lord. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Those that trust in the Lord, those that wait upon the Lord, those who, we could also say, those who worship the Lord, right? Because when you're waiting upon God and trusting in God, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're worshiping, right? That's a part of worship. Anything that connects you to God or allows you to serve God is worship. And so when you're waiting upon God, you're trusting in God. That's a connection with God. And those who trust in, wait upon, worship the Lord will find what? New strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I think this deserves a big hallelujah. Okay? What is it saying to us? It's saying that what gets you through your difficulties, what gets you through your troubles, what gets you through those times of life that are really challenging is learning to worship, learning to wait upon, put our confidence in, and trust in the Lord. There's another example that I want to give you that you're familiar with. It's in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul has gone to a place called Philippi in the territory of Macedonia. He's been called there supernaturally. He saw a vision, and a man uh, spoke in the vision, come over here and help us. So he goes to preach in this place called Philippi, and the people respond to the gospel. But then uh, there's this uh, opposition that develops and persecution that happens to Paul, and he ends up in prison. And notice what happens here in Acts chapter 16. A mob quickly formed against Paul and Silas, and the city officials ordered them stripped and beaten with wooden rods. I would say that's a pretty bad day. Would you agree? If somebody arrests you... Orders you stripped and beaten with wooden rods, not a good day. You haven't done anything wrong. All you've been doing is preaching the gospel, helping people. They were severely beaten. Interesting that uh, a particular word, not just beaten, they were severely beaten. These are important words. uh, Don't pass by them. They give intent and impact to what was really going on. They were severely beaten, and then they were thrown into prison. So they've been stripped, beaten, not just beaten, but severely beaten, thrown into prison. Bad day, bad time tough situations. The jailer was ordered to make sure they didn't escape. The idea being that perhaps they would eventually be tried and even perhaps even even even, uh, even put to death. So they're in jail, made sure they didn't escape. So the jailer put them into the inner dungeon and clamped their feet in the stocks. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were doing what? Praying and singing hymns to God so again if they were praying and singing hymns to God what were they doing they were worshiping this is worship anything that connects you to God or causes you to serve God or service to God from your heart that's worship so they were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening so they're going through a really tough time they're having a really bad day a bad set of circumstances but what are they doing they are worshiping Notice what happens. You perhaps know the story. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner came or fell off. This is a beautiful story of how God comes down with an earthquake in the midst of somebody praising Him who's going through a really tough time. But Paul and Silas said, we're not going to sit here complaining, frustrated about what's happening. No, we're going to turn our attention toward God. We're going to worship him, it's midnight, we're hurting, we're bleeding, but our worship is going toward God. And God said, now I've heard your worship, you've sent it up, now I'm coming down to do something in your life that is miraculous, not just for you, but to set other people free as well. It's amazing when you think about when you worship your way through difficulties, oftentimes it's not just you that gets the blessing, there are people around you that will get a blessing for it as well. So we learn this wonderful principle of learning to worship our way to a place of strength. Worshipping our way through troubles and difficulties and bringing upon our lives the blessing and strength of God. Here's the third thing. Why is worship important? Because worship does what? Say the word with me. It wars against the kingdom of darkness. I'm going to take a little moment here and remind you of something. The Bible is very clear that we are engaged in an atmosphere of spiritual warfare. I'll say that again the world that we live in, the world that you see, the natural world that's around you, that you see with your eyes, you touch with your hands, you inter- interact with naturally, is not the only world there is. There's an unseen world. And the sooner you realize this, the better you're gonna be as a Christian. You need to understand that all that you go through in life. There's not just, you're not just dealing with the natural stuff around you. Some things are demonic attacks upon your life. Because The Bible is very clear about the devil wanting to bring you down, the thief wanting to steal and kill and destroy you. So there is a battle that is raging. There is a warfare that is always going on, and that warfare exists between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. Now, I'm not talking about some mythological thing or some Star Wars idea here. I'm talking about reality, okay? There's a reality of an unseen world where there's light and there's darkness. There's God, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the heavenly host of angels that are on God's team, if you will. And although you can't see them, they exist. There's some things in life, even though you can't see it, it still exists. I've never seen electricity, but it does exist. There are a lot of things that are unseen, and so we tend to to sort of say oh that's not real but I'm telling you we're in a battle and it happens between light and darkness every believer needs to be aware of it There are invisible forces that you and I are contending with and the Bible teaches us that we're not to be afraid of the darkness but we are to war against the darkness and the promise is, is that Jesus has already won the victory over darkness okay He's already won the battle, so we're not looking for who's going to win. We already know who won. Okay, Let me say that again. Do I need to say it again, or can I give you a chance to say amen right there, right? We're not looking for what the outcome of the battle is. We're not worried about, hey, I wonder if Jesus is going to win this thing. No, we're not worried about that. That's already been won. However, in our lives we have to learn to use the resources that God has given us to battle against those forces that would try to come against us and the primary way that, that darkness comes against you is by lying to you. Lies that come that are opposite of God because if He can get you to believe a lie, He can trap you in a way that will hold you from experiencing the blessings of the truth. And so, He comes in lies and darkness. So, you and I have to learn how to fight the battle, how to war against the forces of darkness. And that's why Jesus gave us this promise, Matthew 16, verse 19. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. One translation is whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. Jesus said, I gave you some keys. Keys mean that you have some authority. Anybody that has a set of keys has some authority. If I give you a set of keys to my house, it means that I've authorized you to enter into my house, okay? I've given you the authority to utilize those keys. If we gave you a key to the door of the church, you would have the authority to come in. You don't just give out keys unless you expect somebody to use the keys. The keys are there by reason of authorization. You now can use them. So Jesus said, I've given you some keys of the kingdom and I want you to use them to bind up some things that would come against your life. And I also want to get, get, I've given those keys to you so you'll lose some things There'll be blessing in your life, but you have to use the keys, okay? Amen. Jesus doesn't use the keys. He said he doesn't use them for you. I give you the keys. I give you the keys, so you have to use them. Notice what First John chapter 3 tells us. But the Son of God came to do what? Do what? destroy the works of the devil. So these keys are designed to be applied in ways that shut down the works of the adversary. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 10, verse 3, 3 and 4. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds, to shut down evil. Okay. So, keys. Who gave them to you? Jesus gave them to you. So, you got the keys in your pocket. He gave you your keys. But keys are no good unless you use them, right? Those keys are designed to destroy the works of the devil. To shut down the works of the devil. And to demolish strongholds. To battle with. You've got some keys to battle with, right? The question is you got to know what the keys are, okay? That's like a, a concept. It's a nice concept, but it's like, okay, I don't even know what a spiritual key is. What are we talking about? So you got to know what the keys are. So what are the keys? I will assure you, according to Scripture, one of the keys is the key of worship. Amen. That when you worship, you're pulling out your key... To bind the works of darkness and loose the works of God in the world, your family around you, the circumstances of your life. Here's an example of this in the book of Judges chapter 20. Israel was going into battle. And so they were rallying all the troops and the leaders of the Israelite tribes made this Uh, had to make a decision about who's going to go out in the battle first. Notice what happens here. Before the battle, the Israelites went to Bethel and asked God, which tribe should go first to do what? To attack. Everyone say that with me. First to? What's the first thing to do when you're under attack, right? Which tribe goes out first? Should go first to attack the people of Benjamin. That was the tribe they were battling against. And the Lord answered, here's your answer, Judah is to go first. So they're trying to figure out what's the first group of people we're going to send out to, to, to deal with this situation. We're under attack. There's a battle that's about to go on. Who's the first folks that need to go out? And the answer was Judah. Send the tribe of Judah First. Now, I want to give you some clear understanding here because nothing is in Scripture by accident. Correct? Yes. Not in Scripture by accident. The word, the name Judah, it was a tribe of Judah, but the name Judah is a very specific uh, name, has a very specific meaning, and the, na- and the name Judah means this let God be praised. So, in essence, we could very easily understand God is saying, when you go to battle, I want you to let praise go first. That when there's a battle coming against you in some way in your life, what is your first response under attack? To moan and groan? To grumble and complain? No. Your first response when you are under spiritual attack is to send Judah first. What is Judah? Judah is let God be praised. So praise needs to come out of your mouth. Can I just remind you? Praise needs to come out of you. Okay. Praise, praise needs to be something that is spoken and something that is sung and something that is declared. You can't praise quietly. Praise has to be stirred up from inside and it comes out in an expression. And so you say, let God be praised. I'm sending praise first. You say, is that really true? Is that really what, is that what the Bible is teaching? Well, let's look at another example. Okay? Second Chronicles. The tribe of Judah has been under attack. Jerusalem and the southern kingdom of Israel, they were under attack by three different groups of people. They had marshaled forces together to come against this little tribe of Judah. And so they were all afraid. There's a king by the name of Jehoshaphat. He's trying to figure out what to do and how to handle this. And so he calls a prayer meeting and a fasting meeting and brings everybody together. And, and the Lord speaks to them and says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to send a bunch of singers. Put the singers out in front of the army. And with the singers, you can read this for yourself self in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm not giving you the whole story. I'm not reading the whole story for you tonight. You can read it on your own time. But God says, send the singers out first. And they're to sing... A little chorus. God's love lasts forever. Basically, the loving kindness of the Lord endures forever. That's basically a little chorus they were to sing. They were to go before the army and sing this little chorus. And God said, You're not going to have to fight this battle. The singers will bring the victory for you. Now, notice what happened here. As they began, as this group, they're going out first, as they began to sing and praise, sing and what? Sing and Judah, let God be praised. As they began to sing and praise, what did the Lord do? The Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah, and they were. Defeated, notice how they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites, that were two of the enemy groups, rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Mount Seir, they helped to destroy one another. In essence, the enemy destroyed himself. Okay, why? Because they offered praise to God. And so, you have to understand that God has given you a weapon to use. A key to use when you're under attack. And that key to use is the key of worship. It is a powerful key. It is the key of praise. But it will not work unless you use it. Unless I use it. Another example of this. Ephesians chapter 5. We're just about done here tonight. Do not get drunk on wine. That's another whole message for me to preach sometime. (laughs) Which leads to debauchery. Instead be filled with the Spirit. Now, would you agree with me if you're filled with the Spirit, you're a lot stronger in battle, correct? Okay. If you're in the flesh, you're not going to have the strength necessary, but to be filled with the Spirit. Now, how do we get filled with the Spirit? What, How do we set ourselves up for the Spirit to be at work in us? Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me tell you why praise is important, because when you praise, you're creating an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to come into you and a you and around you you create an atmosphere for the presence of God and the reason that many of us are are, if you will missing an atmosphere of God's presence in our lives in our homes and our families is because we don't spend any time creating that atmosphere by praise I think it's time to change that how about you so we praise and we invite the spirit that gives us the ability to war against those things of darkness that come our way here's the last thing that I will mention here tonight Is this helping anybody at all tonight a little bit? Number four, worship releases God's grace. Important principle, releases releases God's grace. It releases what? God's grace. So what does worship do? It releases God's grace for recovery, restoration, and transformation. Let's talk about this just for a moment. Every one of us not no exception here tonight watching online wherever you are every one of us are broken people every one of us are bruised people every one of us are battered by sin and battered by the foolishness of our own flesh our lack of wisdom all kinds of things all of us are nobody is exempt from that you all we all carry bruises and broken places inside of us And when we come to Jesus, when we open up our lives to Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven, we are saved, we're redeemed, we're born again, we're brought into the family of God. And it's an amazing miracle. Being born again is an amazing miracle. However, even after you're born again, you're still in need of recovery, restoration, and transformation. You're not everything that you could or should be, even after becoming born again in Christ. You're still a work in progress. Amen? No matter how long you follow Jesus, you're still a work in progress. We still have broken places in all of our lives. And so we need to be restored, we need to be recovered, we need to be transformed. That's why we have a class here called Steps to Freedom that we just instituted this September that I would encourage you, if you haven't taken, take it the next time around. That's why we have something called Celebrate Recovery, because we believe that these ministries are vital to helping believers grow in their faith. So we need to be recovered from or restored from or transformed from the lingering domination control of ourself and broken places that are in our lives we need that kind of recovery now here's the beautiful thing when you become an active worshiper of God he begins to do all of these things in your life I want you to hear that when you create an atmosphere and a habit pattern of connecting with God and serving God that's what worship is right It's all it is Connecting with God and serving God. When you have that as a real part of your life, these things are going to happen to you. Take a look at this verse. You're familiar with it. The Lord is my shepherd. We know that's how this starts. 23rd Psalm. Now notice what the shepherd does. He makes me to do what? Lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters or the quiet waters. He refreshes, or I like a better word here, as an old translation gives it, He restores. It's, I think, the more appropriate translation of that, a Hebrew word. He restores my soul. He guides me along the right path for His namesake. Now, here's the principle. This is, when you lie down in green pastures, that means that you're opening your life to the Word of God. Right now, what's happened to you is you're, what you came to do this weekend by being a part of church service as you came to some pastures to feed, right? That's what you're being fed tonight, right? Agreed, right? This is being fed. This is what it's all about, okay? So hopefully you're, you're in the green pastures. You're like a little sheep. You're just eating, eating, eating tonight. You're just receiving. But that's not the only time you receive. You receive by opening up the word of God every day of your life, feeding from it. And so that is a part that's connecting with God. So when you go to the green pastures, you are doing what? You are worshiping, Okay. He leads me beside quiet waters. So when you and I come together in the presence of God, or we we kneel down in prayer, we have our personal times with God, that we're going by the quiet waters of His Spirit to drink in something that does a work inside of us. And what is that work? He refreshes or He restores our soul, and He guides us along right paths for His name's sake. So what I want you to see is that worship creates an atmosphere of restoration in your life. Let's look at some other verses here as we're wrapping up tonight. Psalm 107. It's talking about a group of people here that they were in, into some troublesome things and what they did with their worship. Some, sat, some people, this is a circumstance of their life, they sat in darkness and deep gloom, imprisoned in iron chains of misery. You know, there are a lot of Christians that are still in some iron chains of misery. They rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. That is why he broke them with hard labor. They fell, and no one was there to help them. So they got themselves into into trouble. Let them praise the Lord his God for for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done. For he broke down their prison gates of bronze. He cut apart their bars of iron. What I want you to see is that this group of people... In the midst of their difficulty, they cried out to God. And when they cried out to God, God came to help them. Let's look at this next passage here. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. I'm going to wrap up with this particular verse. When you're part of spiritual growth is coming out of spiritual blindness into spiritual sight correct okay the more you see of what god who god is and the more you see of how god works in a person in your life the more freedom you experience correct right okay can you look think about it on your own life and you've grown over time by the truth you begin to understand right Your eyes were opened. You saw something you'd never seen before in the Bible or through the principle of God's Word. and, And, oh, I never saw it. Oh, that's what that means. And suddenly it brings a freedom to your life. And the Bible says that whenever someone turns to the Lord or worships the Lord, that's what it means to turn. You're worshiping God. Then what happens is, is the... The veil is taken away. So when you are in the context of living a life of worship, you're putting yourself in an environment where the veil of darkness, the veil of blindness, spiritual blindness begins to be removed. And then it goes on to say, for the Lord is the spirit and wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So when you worship God, the veil is taken away. The spirit of God comes in into your life and freedom begins to happen where the Spirit of the Lord there's freedom so all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image all I want to say to us tonight with this we're going to conclude that worship is such a powerful thing for your life that when you and I send the worship up God sends the blessings down and if you want more blessing in your life, you've got to make a decision. We all have to make a decision to grow in worship, to grow in our connection to God and our service to God. And out of that, tremendous things start happening in your life. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We're grateful tonight for the opportunity we've had to study your word. We ask, Lord, you'll take this message and apply it deeply to our hearts. We pray, Lord, you'll help us to grow and help us to become more uh, effective worshipers, worshiping in spirit and truth, For that we thank you in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. And you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out, and from the sincerity of your heart call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus, I know that, that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus I believe in you I believe that you are God's son I believe that you are the savior of the world I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and I believe that you rose from the grave that you are alive today now pray these words say Lord Jesus come into my heart come into my life forgive me of my sins give me a new start in you I commit my life to you, in Jesus' name, Amen. Now if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. Old things pass away, all things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. and You begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you and we look forward to seeing you next time.